0: You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you. So much for taking time out to listen to this episode of the podcast. I am super stoked to have you listening and excited to dive into the content of this episode. This is episode 134, and I'm going to be answering the question, What is the Prosperity Gospel Movement, and why is it dangerous? Great topic to dive into because the Prosperity Gospel Movement, no doubt, has gotten very popular over the last few decades in certain evangelical circles throughout North America and now has begun to grow at a very rapid rate in a variety of nations around the world, in particular in many nations on the continent of Africa. So I think it's important for Christians to understand this movement and to understand a quality biblical response uh, to this movement. Before we dive in, quick reminder to everyone about our website. I want to encourage you to go on over and visit. It's theologyfortherestofus.com. While you're on the site, you can check out a few things. You can look at all of our old episodes. They're all archived there with show notes so you can get uh, additional resources in each individual uh, episode. And then you can also check out our resources page uh, where I've got a bunch of recommended books, blogs, podcasts, Things like that that could be a real value to you as you seek to continue to expand your theology study. And then, of course, while you're on the website, you can always subscribe if you're not already subscribed. While you're there, you'll see a variety of buttons. Uh, Just click whichever one applies to you, depending on what device you're using or what platform you're on. You can click that, and that'll typically take you over to a place where you can subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing to the podcast is really, really important. Because whenever you're subscribed, it guarantees you never miss an episode. Every episode gets delivered directly to your device. So if you can head on over and hit one of those subscribe buttons, that would be really great. Again, the website is TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. All right, let's dive into the topic at hand. Uh, we're talking about the Prosperity Gospel Movement. If you're not familiar with this movement, let me just give you kind of a quick overview. Um, th- there are some extreme versions of this, and then there's some... And then there are some kind of more subtle, not as extreme. And then there's everything in between. You know, there's kind of a varying scale, just like with with any movement. There are varying scales of what people think. And again, within the prosperity gospel movement, you have the more obvious, more extreme versions, um, that which is really popular in certain segments of Christianity within you know modern evangelicalism in North America. And and then you have another kind of more subtle version, which is more popular in, in a lot of places. Now, the the more extreme version basically says that God wants you to be rich and happy and healthy all the time. That anything bad that happens to you, uh, anything that's painful, or anything that's even uncomfortable is from the devil, and God doesn't want that. God doesn't ever want his children to ever experience any kind of poverty or any kind of pain or sorrow ever at any time. That's that's pretty much the most extreme version of it. Now, like I said, most, most pastors don't preach that version of it. Uh, most pastors probably pe- preach a, little more subtle version of it. I think there's a lot of pastors actually that that believe some elements of prosperity gospel and they have some of that in them and they don't even realize it. I think there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of Christians that kind of have embraced this idea that basically God wants good stuff for me uh sometimes you know people will say we're we're kids of the king right like our our daddy is the is the god of the universe he controls everything he is rich shouldn't we enjoy the spoils of being a child of the king and they'll compare that to a, a prince who gets to live in the palace with with his earthly you know king father like you know today we have uh, you know kings on planet earth that control a lot of things shouldn't their kids? You know, enjoy what their daddy owns, or or anyone in the United States today. If if, if someone's parents are a billionaire, if Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, he's a multi-billionaire. Um, one day he's going to have kids eventually and shouldn't his kids enjoy the wealth that his dad owns shouldn't his kids enjoy the spoils of being the children of the of the millionaire father the billionaire father like that's the metaphor that some prosperity gospel preachers will give you well our daddy is rich we should enjoy the spoils of being rich right shouldn't we dress like the king shouldn't we spend the money to, to look like royalty because you know because that's what we are, right? We are royal, right? We are adopted into his royal family. Those are the types of things you might hear uh, from some some of the more extreme versions of the Prosperity Gospel Movement. Um, there is another another movement that I think sometimes gets lumped in with the Prosperity Gospel Movement. Now, it is very similar. It overlaps. Uh, a lot of people who are in the Prosperity Gospel Movement are also in this other movement, and it's the Name It, Claim It movement or the kind of the, the Word of Faith movement. But, um, but I do think it's important to, dis- to, dis- to bring a distinction that there is a that there is a difference between those. Because I've got some friends of mine who who would really embrace a lot of the elements of the the word of faith movement, but maybe not embrace the prosperity gospel movement. Um, now they're they're, they're rare. Mo- most people who are in that camp are going to embrace both of them fully. But there is some slight distinction. The prosperity gospel movement, in particular, focuses on the idea that God wants you to be. Uh, God wants you to experience a lot of good things on planet Earth that God wants you to have a lot of temporal enjoyment and that in particular God wants you to be financially rich that God wants his people to have a lot of financial resources on planet earth that is a that is a huge part of the prosperity gospel movement and and if you listen to these preachers, it becomes evident to me that it, that they are basically teaching their people that God's highest priority, is my well-being here on planet Earth and my bank account that God cares most that I have a good life and that I have money in the bank that's that, that's God's highest priority. and as I look through the pages of scripture that's not at all what I see. Um, let me preface this by saying that I do believe that God is a very good dad. He he is the, the best daddy of them all, the grandest daddy of them all. He is a phenomenal father. There is no one like him and how good he is. And there is no doubt that God knows how to give good gifts to his children. There is no doubt that there have been many, 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 many times throughout human history where God has given financial provision, where God has given wealth to certain people in his church, in his family, uh, f- for a variety of different reasons. God has done that. Like I'm not saying God has never done that. God has given good gifts. I believe that God has done things for humanity, corporately speaking and individually, he, that he's done things to show us that he loves us, that he adores us, that he loves spending time with us. He wants to commune with us and have a, an intimate, fun relationship with us. Like, there's no doubt God is good. He's a daddy. He's gentle. All of that is true, right? God has done so many things for me over and over again to just remind me that he loves me, and it's just special, and it's cool, and it's awesome. And God has done so many things corporately for humanity to show us that he's a good daddy, that he wants us to have fun, that he wants us to have temporal enjoyment here on planet Earth. God is not against pleasure, right? Like, God, he created chocolate, okay? Like, hello, chocolate comes from a plant, for crying out loud. It comes from a bean. I mean, like, he created. It. God gave us coffee beans. Like, do you want know to talk about God? God wants to give. He knows how to give good gifts. He gave us chocolate. He gave us coffee beans. Like, listen. God invented sex. Okay. You want to tell me that God doesn't want his his people to have fun and enjoy the moment? Are you kidding me? Sex is awesome, right? Like, anyone who's married will tell you that like, this is the, this is the reality. Like, God invented these things. So if you believe that God is boring and doesn't ever do good things for his kids, you're insane. Okay. Let's just be honest. However. However, I want to make it crystal clear that God's number one priority is not your temporal enjoyment or your financial situation. God does not care most about your bank account or you having fun or you being able to do good things in life. That is not God's number one priority. God's number one priority is his own glory. God is consumed with His own glory and His own fame. Uh, I'm not going to talk long about this, but I'm going to encourage you, go back and check out episode 58. I talked a lot about why God is consumed with His own glory. Uh, and I would highly, highly encourage you, please, go back and listen to episode 58, where I talk quite a bit about the fact that God is consumed with His own glory. God is consumed with with showing himself off to the world, revealing himself to the world so that everyone will know how good God is, how worthy of worship he is. God's number one priority is the expansion of his own glory. And therefore, that ought to be our number one priority as well. Listen, God wants to maximize his own glory In your life, God wants to maximize his own glory through your life. God is writing a story through you, and he's going to use you as a character in that story ultimately to bring fame and honor to the most important character of the story. And that's not you, and it's not me. It's God. He's the most important character of every story that's ever been written, right? He is the most important one. God wants to maximize his own glory in our lives. And listen, if his glory happens to overlap you having money or overlap you having some sort of temporal enjoyment, then that's great, right? If you enjoying something good will somehow bring God great glory, then God's going to allow you to experience that in your life. That's going to be awesome. If you having a lot of money is going to maximize the glory of God in your life, then God will bring you lots of money. Like If you being wealthy is going to cause God to get the most amount of glory in your life, then that's what God's going to do. He's going to make you wealthy. But the reality is this. In many cases, in fact, in most cases, in most people's lives, that is not the case. God's glory is not maximized in the lives of most amount of people by being rich. And the problem with the prosperity gospel movement is, is we begin to teach people that the number one priority is you being rich and you having a good well-being and a good temporal enjoyment and having a good life here, that your prosperity in this life is the most important thing. And that is contrary to the New Testament, or excuse me, to the entire Bible. The message of the New Testament is that God, or one of the messages of the New Testament, one of the greatest themes in the New Testament and in the Old Testament is that, is that God's greatest priority is His own glory. Sometimes that means he's going to keep certain elements of prosperity from you because it will cause you to be more in tune with him and bring more glory to him. Being wealthy doesn't guarantee the glory of God coming through your life. And being wealthy isn't necessarily the means to maximize the glory of God in your life. But preaching this prosperity stuff Stuff is the nicest word I can use on on this podcast. Preaching this prosperity stuff, it cultivates a desire in people to be rich and 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 to acquire stuff, but that may not be what God wants for you. Preaching prosperity gospel, that God wants to be rich and God wants you to have good stuff all the time and God never wants you to be poor or never experience pain, preaching that causes people to want something that may not be what God wants for them. And it causes people to not be consumed with the glory of God and the gospel. And it causes people to be consumed with pleasing themselves. If any kind of preaching causes you to be more consumed with yourself than with God, then it is not the gospel. The prosperity gospel or the so-called gospel of the prosperity movement is no gospel at all, in my opinion, because it does not point people to being obsessed with the man Jesus and being obsessed with the world knowing Jesus. You see, right preaching should cause people to fall in love with Jesus and right preaching should cause people to be willing to do whatever it takes so that other people can meet Jesus, even if it means I have to sacrifice of my own well-being, even if it means I have to suffer, even if it means I have to be poor, no matter what I have to go through, I will do it so that others can meet Jesus. Right preaching of the right gospel leads to that. That is not what the prosperity gospel movement leads to. When people listen to these prosperity preachers over and over and over again, I can assure you, they don't walk out of those churches, they don't walk out of those buildings thinking to themselves I got to do whatever it takes for the world to know Jesus. No. They walk out of those rooms thinking to themselves, I got to get me some more money. This is a tragic way of preaching. Again, it's it's no gospel at all. I want to compare some passages of scripture to what I think the prosperity gospel movement is often preaching. The prosperity gospel movement says we need to ask God for more money because God wants us to have more money. Look what the Bible says. I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7, 8, and 9, I'm reading from the uh, New Living. I think it, it encapsulates it well. It's easy to understand. This is a prayer from a guy by the name of Agar. He is praying and it's recorded in Proverbs 30, and I think this is a wise prayer that we ought to listen to. Proverbs 30, it says this, oh God, I beg two favors from you. He's asking God for two separate things. He says, let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. You see see Agar's prayer? Does Agar ask God to give him lots of money? Nope. Does Agar say, I want to be poor? Nope. What does he say here? He says, first, does God help me never to tell a lie? It's a a great noble thing to ask God for the courage and grace to do. Then Then he says, God, give me neither poverty or riches. Agar knew, listen, if I don't have my needs met, God, I'm going to be tempted to steal. And I don't want to steal. I don't want to sin against you. So give me enough that my needs are met. So I'm not tempted to steal. But he also says, listen, God, don't make me so rich because if I'm rich, I'm going to forget you. I'm going to say, who is the Lord? God, don't make me rich. Don't do that because I'll forget you. I'll end up sinning and I won't glorify your name. And it's more important to glorify your name than for me to be rich. You see, Agar, Agar had a right perspective. And I would challenge all of us to read Proverbs 30 and to embrace the right perspective. The right perspective, the right prayer is not, God, give me more money. The right perspective is, oh, God, give me enough that I'm not tempted to steal and sin. Oh, God, don't give me so much that I will forget you. Now, listen, some people maybe have the ability to be very wealthy and never forget God. Maybe there are some of you listening to this. They have the ability to be extremely wealthy and that you would honor God with that wealth. That is awesome. And you are trustworthy and God will give you wealth and God will use you and use the wealth that, that he gives you uh, to write an incredible story. But for most of us, most of us would get wealthy and we would forget God. Most of us would would seek to honor ourselves and, and, and our wealth would cultivate greed in our hearts. We would We would probably not maximize the glory of God. Before I let you go, I want to just leave you with one final passage. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Let me read these to you from the ESV. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Another translation says that, that godliness with contentment is great wealth. Like it is it is wealth to be wealthy or to be content and to be godly is wealth right there. To be satisfied is to love God and be satisfied on what you have is wealth. Verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. You see, Paul is putting a very low priority on the stuff that we can acquire in this life. Verse 8 says, But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall in temptation. Let me read that again. But for those who desire to, fall, who to be, excuse, me, for those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. If you desire to be rich, it leads you to a place where you'll be tempted, you're going to fall into a snare. You're going to have many different senseless and harmful desires and ultimately those desires will plunge you into ruin and destruction. My friends, this is harsh language that should be, that should be alarming to us. This should, be, this should cause us to be sober-minded in our view of money and resources. If you are greedy and clamoring for more and more and more, the Bible tells us it, you are ultimately being led into ruin and destruction. Why is this? Well, verse 10 tells us, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. It is the love of money that has caused many to wander away from the faith and pierce themselves to bring pain into their life. When you are preaching a supposed gospel which will cause people to love money more, you are potentially cultivating in them the love of the thing that will lead them to ruin and destruction. Please tell me how that's the gospel. Please help me understand why the prosperity gospel movement is okay for Christians. Because I think that preaching cultivates in all of us a sense of greed and a desire for more, which the Bible tells us ultimately will lead to ruin and destruction. Friends, I call all of us to repent. God, forgive us for wanting more. Forgive us for being greedy. Forgive us for not being content. God, give us whatever you want to give us. If you want us to be wealthy, may we be wealthy. If you want us to be poor, may we be poor. But God, I pray as King Argar prayed, give me not poverty nor riches. Don't give me poverty because I'll be tempted to steal. Don't give me too much because I'll be tempted to, to forget you. God, give me what I need so that ultimately I will stay close to you. God, help my heart to be consumed with the glory of God. Help me to be consumed with you, Jesus, and be consumed with other people meeting and knowing Jesus. May that be the greatest and highest priority of my life. May we be more consumed with that than any financial prosperity. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful, insightful, and I hope it's been challenging to you. If you have a question you'd like me to address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. Best address is hey Ortiz at theology for Rest of It's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z. At theology for the If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I love the tweet, so feel free to find me there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.